Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and this week I've given Pete Donaldson the full week off. Two, three episodes now. Pete has had a, a little bit of a break, so well done, Pete. I don't know what you're doing this week, but I look forward to catching up with you next week. And I'm saying it as though he's listening, he's definitely not. Um, but I'm in Tokyo at the moment, guys, um, having just got back from Journey Across Japan 3, making my way slowly but surely back up to Tohoku. Uh, the last few days, I've interviewed a few people. We had had Joey on, uh, we had Dogen in Kyushu, and this week I thought I'd interview my good friend Alex Shapiro. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing all right. Now, for those of you who don't know Alex, he was in a video I made last year called What a $20,000 a Month Apartment in Tokyo Looks Like, right? That is right. I've already forgotten. Something like that. So Alex and I made a video last year, and it did pretty well. I think 2 million people have watched it now, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of fun. I've always wanted to look at kind of luxury apartments mm-hmm. in Tokyo and get a peek behind and see what life is like on the other side of the fence, and uh, turned out it's very expensive. Yes. Interestingly, a lot of people didn't like the apartment we looked at, which we'll get on to mm. in a little bit, but uh, it was a fun video to make, and Alex is so knowledgeable in the world of apartments and real estate and it's fascinating just talking to him so we're going to be talking about the best places to live in Tokyo the worst places to live in Tokyo Alex's experiences on the jet program living in Kyushu quite like Dogen did uh, in the last week's episode and also uh, hearing about why as a foreign resident living in Japan or a foreigner coming to Japan it can be quite difficult to get an apartment um, it's not a nice subject but one we have to tackle because one that might affect uh, a lot of you guys that are moving to Japan so so you've been in how long? You've been in uh, in Tokyo in, in Japan now, Alex. Well, I've been in Tokyo for about six years now, and I've been in Japan for a total of eight years. Eight years, yes. And like me, you ended up on the jet program. I did, but unlike you, I was not an English teacher. I was the <gasps> other one. The, the other one. Yeah, the one that nobody talks about. I was called a CIR, which is a communications... Wait, what is that again? A CIR? It's a... Huge. I don't even I, know I don't remember what I was. No, You're it's great. <laughs> I was a coordinator for international relations, which is just a lot of hologaboob for basically <laughs> somebody that like works in city hall or prefectural hall and deals with all the international mm. relations that a city or a prefecture has. So most people come on the JET program as an assistant language teacher, like myself and uh, Dogen, who I interviewed last, uh, last episode. But CIRs, you kind of need Japanese for that job, right? You definitely, you need to have a very, very good knowledge of Japanese. You need to also be able to be organized mm. and uh, at the end of the day, look after the ALTs and be their babysitter. <laughs> no offense. You have to look after the ALT. <laughs> terrible <laughs> job. <laughs> that was about half my job. Yeah. <laughs> so going back before that, though, you're from the US. I am. I'm from Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yeah. <sighs> Born and raised. You've, you've got the accent. I what? Yeah. <laughs> California, LA accent. A non-accent, yeah. Actually, no, that's a lie. You sound like a New Yorker. I do, I do. My father's from New York, and I spent a lot of time in New York in my mm. childhood, so that's probably where I got it from. And, I mean, first things first, why were you interested in Japan? What led you here? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, my father was originally in the movie industry, mm. and because of that, he would take me around the world for scouting and for all sorts of things like that. And so I've been to most of the continents in the world. Mm. And I came to Japan one time, and I saw how different it was, and I just liked it enough to want to move here. And it's that, that simple. That. Yeah, that's so it. So you're not a 
Otaku. <laughs> Ooh, no, no anime, no manga. No. Just, oh, no. just, just, Sorry. you came here once. It looked different. And yeah. so I, <laughs> to be honest, it my, was exotic. <laughs> my mm. reasoning for coming here, I don't even really have one. Yeah. I just thought it'd be fun. Mm. But whenever, I hate that. Like, whenever you, like, whenever someone asks, why'd you come to Japan? You've got to give, like, a, a solid reason to yeah, why you did oh, it. Oh, I love like, the culture. I love the history. I love the, you know, the you women do, or whatever. Yeah. Honestly, everybody has something. But you've I got don't. To, you've got to find a reason. But, like, yeah. it's it's difficult if you don't have a clear reason. For me, mm. it was many things. And mm. uh, I'm glad you've got at least a solid reason. Yeah, and then the sad thing different. is people will still kind of, like, look down upon you if you do say what we say, which is, you know, oh, I just liked it. That's true. Yeah. I find uh, if you want if you want the most points mm. for uh, why you moved to Japan, martial art. You got to do a martial Ooh. art, judo or anything that's yeah. martial art related will, will look good. That's um, a good one. Good point. But you are very good at Japanese. Mm. And how the heck did you get so good? That's a good question. I actually studied for a couple of years when I was still living in LA. Mm. At, uh, there's a language school called, called Berlitz. They actually oh, have them in Japan as well. Yeah, yeah. but uh, in Japan, I think they only speak, they only teach English. Mm. Might be wrong mm. about mm. that, but abroad, they no, no, no pun intended. <laughs> they actually will teach pretty much any language. So I was learning Japanese there. It was completely man to man. Yeah, and uh, also when I first moved over here for high school, it was I was in a place in the middle of nowhere in Fukuoka. Mm. And I was the only English-speaking person in the entire school of 800 kids. Oh, wow. So that's what happened. I just had to learn Japanese. In Fukuoka? In Fukuoka, in oh, a wow. place called Yanagawa. It's this little yeah, quaint town. Yeah, I know. It's, it's cool, like the Venice of Japan. Right? One of them. Yeah, yeah. one of the many <laughs> Venices of Japan. <laughs> if there's a canal, it's a Venice yes. in Japan. And they, got, got, they do have the, the gondolas or whatever they call uh, them. The yeah, I've, I've been on it. Yeah, yeah. I actually filmed an episode of Journey Across Japan, but I didn't put it up because mm. I was... I was a little bit sick at the time. By that point, <laughs> after like four or five weeks of cycling, I uh, got there and I was just like dead. That'll do it. But I remember we wanted to film on one of the gondolas and mm. they wouldn't allow us. Mm. But then we said we worked for the BBC mm-hmm. and they let us film. <laughs> and then I didn't use the footage. What a monster. Oh, no. I'm a monster. Oh, no. I'm a monster, ladies and gentlemen. Uh. Um, <laughs> but uh, so you're in Fukuoka. How long? I was there for one year in high school and another year for college, actually. It must have been pretty daunting coming here at high school level. Yeah, no, actually, because that's the thing. I mean, you know, most people, they go for a study abroad during yeah, high school yeah. or college. They feel homesick right away. Yeah. You know, they their families. Honestly, I didn't because I've been going around with, you know, just one family member, sometimes mm. alone, even when I was, you know, still a little kid uh, for yeah, most of my life. So I was used to it. And to me, it was just a new experience. And, you know, if you open yourself up to it from the beginning, it's mm. not that daunting. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's, and did you have any bad experiences? Bad experiences? This is all very positive. <laughs> like, you know, a lot of listeners and, and even myself, the yeah. idea of moving to Japan is a very daunting, scary mm-hmm. thing. Uh, you've made it seem like it's really easy. Yeah. When it's not really. You, you, your upbringing, traveling around the world, prepared you for that. But for yeah. a lot of people... Uh, it's quite daunting, but did you have any bad experiences? Bad experiences? Not really. I did have some strange experiences. Strange though. experiences. Yeah, um, because I went to this school that was kind of known as a, you know, in Japanese they call it furio koko, so like a like a place for like the low lives, let's say. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was a very good school for sports. They right. were at the top of the, of the country for, uh, for baseball for years and years and years, and then that went down, but then tennis, they got to the top of the top. Right. You know, they were winning all the the high school championships. In fact, my friends actually won at singles and doubles. Wow. You know, but you went there for sports and that was it. Okay. And the boxing team at the time had a very close connection to the local Yakuza chapter. Oh, God. Yeah. So, you know, there was was a couple of times where I would go to, you know, hang out with some kids from the boxing team and Mm. I would see these these stern-looking men in the corner. Oh, God. And uh, later on, I figured out that, you know, they're Yakuza. There was all this kind of stuff that happened. Do you ever meet any Yakuza in your travels? In Japan? Yeah, I mean, through... Did you, like, befriend any? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, I don't... You know, a lot of people often ask about the Yakuza, but I've Mm. never met all, like... I think I've probably spoken to a few, Mm. um, but, like, it's not... It's not really that much of a thing in Japan anymore. The Yakuza have kind of died out over the last few years. And, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the government's cracked down on banking, and uh, so it's pretty tough to live in Japan as a Yakuza. They have, but at the same time, they've also gotten better at keeping themselves secret. Right. They've been very good at just keeping under the table. And uh, if you've ever heard of uh, Jake Adelstein, you know who he is? Yeah, the writer. The writer, yeah. yeah he still you know, deals with a lot of that kind of oh, stuff wow. as well. Yeah. He did a great book called Tokyo Voice. Yeah, which is actually being turned into a TV show. It is indeed. 
indeed. Yeah. If, yeah, if you guys are interested in crime in Japan, I recommend uh, a read of Tokyo Vice. It's, uh, it's very well written, and mm. Jake's life in uh, in Tokyo in Japan is it, it reads like a blockbuster film, and that's why it's becoming a blockbuster TV show. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, but going back to your blockbuster life in Fukuoka, oh, no. yeah. so you finished in Fukuoka, <laughs> yes. and. Eventually, you returned on the JET program, right? Yeah, so after my second study abroad, which was also in Fukuoka, but yeah. in the city, I came back for, jet pro- for the JET program in 2014, this mm. time to a place called Kirishima, which is in Kagoshima Prefecture. Right. Yeah, and again, I was working as a CIR in the city hall down there. So that means we were on the JET program at the same time. Is that right? Yeah, because I left in 2015. Oh wow! Look at that. Wow. We were yeah, the same. I didn't know that. Yeah. We were the same. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I did actually pass through Kirishima just the other day for Journey Across Japan. Oh. It's a beautiful region. Lots of nice mountains. The, the landscape of Kyushu. There's nowhere else like it mm. in Japan. Like, beautiful, like volcanic landscapes, crumbling mountains. And, it, volcanic is the right word, yeah. especially for down there. There's two major active volcanoes down there. One of which had this beautiful lake at the top of it. Mm. Which when I was right before I came there. Uh, it erupted and the lake just it's vanished gone. out of thin oh. air. It was a shame. But uh, then there's the other one called Sakurajima, which yes, yeah. which we f- talked about in the podcast and flew over in a Cessna. Oh well, there and we it, go. Ter- it erupted today. It so did. thank God it, it didn't erupt. Oh, we flew over it. Yeah. Been a very premature end to journey across Japan three. Oh yeah. Oh, um, yeah. How was your time in Kyushu though? Oh, I love Kyushu in general, but uh, Kirishima was great. It's an amazing place to come visit. Uh, the year that I was there though was the most volcanic on record oh my god the most active on record it actually erupted and I'm not even exaggerating somewhere around 1300 times during the year 1300 times a year yeah so <laughs> is that three times a day just about just about what and mix you have that and plus it rains once every three days down there mm. so basically you know it's oh either going to be raining or you're going to have the <laughs> ash blowing on you uh, to the point that down there they actually have on the weather report uh, so today is going to be cloudy with a chance of ash. Mm. They actually Jeez. say that. I'm, I swear to God, they say that in the weather reports. Down I mean, there. what do you do? Do you carry an umbrella? Uh, no, there's nothing you can do, honestly. I mean, everybody drives down there, so that's right, the, right, right. Yeah. But uh, they, it's so common for it to have the ash flowing in your face and yeah. also the rain falling on your face that they have a word just down there to describe the mixture of rain and ash. And uh, what is this? It's called heame. Heame. Yeah, so in Japanese, normal huh. Japanese, hai means ash and ame is rain. Yeah. Uh, down there, they call hai he. <laughs> and he also means fart, by the way, just oh, so that, you know. Yeah, in, in Japanese, so heame. So fart rain. I mean, <laughs> ash rain. Yeah. Sulfuric acid rain. Sulfuric acid rain. Jesus. It gets in your eyes, it's nasty stuff. You can't even hu- uh, hang your clothes out there. How do you dry your clothes in that neck of the woods then? It's interesting you ask. It actually... So, Kagoshima Prefecture has the most laundromats per capita. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is... Int- I need to write that yeah, down. Yeah, write that one down. So, I'm going to do a voiceover for Journey Across Japan 3 and that. There is we go. going in there. Most laundromats. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were there for one year? I was there for a year. Yeah. It was you, too active for me. I couldn't deal with I it. Can, well, I can imagine. Yeah. Did you choose to live down there? No. So, in, if you remember, you were in the JET program, but you can kind of pick or at least nominate the places that you want to yeah. stay in. I put three different places. I wanted to be in Fukuoka and then I put Osaka as my third one. They sent me to somewhere else in Kyushu, but it was yeah, it was okay with me. It sounds like you did out did all right out. Yeah, it did yeah. fine. Yeah. Had a great time. And then you moved to Tokyo. Then I moved to Tokyo. Yeah. And became the king of real estate. <laughs> that's a that's a massive exaggeration. Yeah, something like that. He's yeah. he's on his way up. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you I mean, you started your real estate company. How how did that even begin? What's the story there? Yeah, so my business partner and I started that in 2018. Why uh, choose real estate? Real estate? You know what? My business partner and I were just talking and we were just thinking, you know, she's a very entrepreneurial person. So yeah. we uh, were just talking and we came up with the whole idea that, you know, I'm based in Nakamegoro, which is this one area of Tokyo. And mm, there's it's, really, a nice, it's a nice district as well. It is. Nakamegoro. It's a beautiful place. It's a great place very to trendy. live. Very trendy. Very trendy. And yet there is... You know, all these international people, I don't, I don't like the word foreign people, international people sure. want to live over there, but there's yeah. really no resources for them to do that. And so we were like, okay, let's just do it. I mean, would you consider your real estate company as luxury real estate, or is it more just, a, just to an international kind of demographic yeah that's the thing I mean it takes the same amount of time and effort for me to find a place for $800 a month than it does for $8,000 a month (laughs) and we only have a couple people working there so I focus on luxury much better commission yes absolutely yes 
Um, was it difficult setting up a real estate company? How do you even do that? You know, that's the thing. If you have the right resources, it's not that difficult. But you do have to have somebody in the company that has passed the real estate agent test. And that is a pretty daunting task. Did you do that? I did not. Oh, no, dear. I'm not the one on that. No. So uh, but you're going to have to pass it at some point. Yeah, I'm going to. But my partner <laughs> has it. So that's totally fine. We're legal. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have anyone legal on the Abroad yeah. uh, Japan podcast. No, no, no. Except Pete Donaldson. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I imagine, yeah, I imagine the paperwork was horrible. It wasn't fun. Yeah, there, there's some certain things that you need to have in your office. Like they actually tell you to send uh, pictures into the real estate association of your office to actually get permission for them to really start. yeah 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 oh, God. it's it's pretty strange like one of the things you need is a fax machine yeah because it's japan a fax machine yeah, you need a fax yes machine. but I, I mean i've never done this before i had to go to each of the corners of the room and yeah. actually take a picture from that in. no yeah i swear i swear well just to prove you have an office that's good or exactly real. <laughs> that that it's that it matches all of their things that it has a place where you can lock up the confidential <laughs> papers that it has a thing that it's just like all these ridiculous things Bloody but, hell. yeah and you need to have like a little placard on your uh, on your mailbox outside i think the real question is yeah. do you use the fax machine i do wow on a daily basis i've never fact. used a fax machine apart from this podcast i had never used one before i started working there, or started the company honestly it was is it fun no <laughs> oh dear you, you've seen me use it i did i did watch you use it when we came to to film and yeah. uh yeah alex looked like he had a lot of a lot of trouble with it <laughs> took you like 25 minutes to fax one piece of paper well no listen listen so if you've ever used the fax before i'm sure many of your users have not your listeners have not uh you actually they have to have a clear line in order for right. you to be able to send it it's not like an email where you can have multiple things coming in at once yeah it's like a phone so if there's somebody else that's sending a fax in at the same time you cannot send your no. Yeah. Oh my god. That's why it took so long. Why haven't they discovered emails or scanners? I have no idea. Fascinating. No but idea. that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. And even now, because of Corona, you'd think that they're trying to get away from that. Mm. No. A lot of the places I still have to go because I don't go to the office that much anymore. Right. Right. But I still, if I want to go see a place that is not my own place, yeah. right, I have to go fax a form from like a Seven Eleven or something. Oh my lord. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That is, that is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But uh, but also kind of cool. Retro. Very retro. What's that being back in the 90s? Um, (laughs) But given your, I mean, given you are an expert on real estate in Tokyo, it would be quite interesting to pick your brains on uh, some of the best and worst places to live in Tokyo. So for those of you guys that might find yourself living in Tokyo one day, this might be particularly interesting. Uh, First of all, what is the sort of the cost of of an average apartment in Tokyo? If I'm, you know, coming over here on a teacher's salary, I guess, Mm -hmm. what kind of... What's the average cost of an apartment? It depends on where you are, really. Even within Tokyo, just the neighborhood can make a huge difference as to how much rent you're paying. Mm. But if you are in a central area, let's say, again, like Nakameguro, where my office is... So Nakameguro or... is, what, about five, ten minutes from Shibuya? Yeah, it's first, about five, right? ten so minutes from Shibuya. very central. Yes, it's also about ten to twelve minutes from... Shin... Well, you got Shinjuku Sanchome, so yeah. like basically Shinjuku Station. Roppongi is also nearby. Ebisu is walking distance. It's yeah. very, very central. Uh, if you wanted to get a single bedroom over there, you know, like a one LDK, which is a bedroom with a separate little living room kind of thing, that'll be about maybe 130, 140,000 yen, so about twelve to $1,300 a month. Uh, if you want just a little more bare bones, 1K would be, so it's mm. like a studio with a separate kitchen. That which is probably what most teachers would be getting at over here. You'll be about, mm, for an older place, maybe 90,000 yen. Bloody hell, it's yeah. pretty pricey. That is. Okay. that is. But at the same time, if you go out, like to say Hachioji, which is kind of out in the boonies, but if mm. you work, say, in Shinjuku, it's easy to get to, I would say you could get a place for about fifty to 60,000. Okay, so less. that's what, a 20-minute train ride to Central to, Tokyo? Yes, to Shinjuku, it's about 20, 30 minutes. Have you ever shown uh, for, like an international client? I keep saying nearly foreign. <laughs> you shown a foreign around. Have you shown an international client around and they've been shocked when you've shown them the apartment and how small and rubbish it is? <laughs> yes. Because, I mean, I've Japanese that, apartments, yeah. sometimes they're mm. well-designed, but mm. they're usually very small, unless yes. you're talking big money or unless you're, you know somebody's actually buying the apartment Mm -hmm. Uh, because if you do buy an apartment in Japan for the same price of a mortgage uh, sorry the same price as your monthly rent the mortgage 
could be the same price, but the size of the apartment will be a lot bigger, absolutely, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That is almost always the case. If you have the chance to buy over here, it is much better to buy. Mm. If you can get a mortgage, definitely get a mortgage. Do you need a visa to buy a property in Japan? You do not need a visa to buy a property in Japan. See, that's an interesting no. common misconception, I think. Mm-hmm. You don't even, that, even, I, even I thought, like, oh my God, do I need a visa? How's it work? You know, I don't think I will buy a property in Japan. That's too um, bad. <laughs> I, I feel like if you're going to buy a property in the UK as a... Mm as a better kind of rate of return. Mm. So that's more likely where I would do it. Yes, for an investment, I would definitely say that the UK gets better returns on that. But What the, about compared to the US, though? Oh, much better in the US. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's that's the thing about Japan is, I'm not sure if your listeners know about this, but uh, actually most people don't. Uh, in Japan, the value of a building will go down over time. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's pretty much no matter what, unless you happen to be in a couple of, of buildings that are just considered like the cream of the crop. Mm, mm. But yeah, generally speaking, over 30 years, your value of your building will just go down like crazy. So it's not really the best in terms of investing. And that's because the buildings in Japan are made of balsa wood, effectively. It's funny you say that because most people think that, but it's just because the government... Um, says basically the government uh, they do their property taxes it's a whole thing but every year they say that the value of the house goes down that's it I mean that's the reason really and well I suppose a big part of that is also the population is dropping very quickly this was actually from before that I think it's from post-war Japan because they were building places out of as you say basically balsa wood at that point so the government didn't want them to be standing for that long because it was a hazard so they decided to start saying okay every year your house is going to be worth less than the year before that's so and that's weird. just kind of stuck around even though honestly the buildings that they build over here even the cheap ones are much much better than in most countries in the world right. I will say yes really? Absolutely. The build quality is impeccable. But they still bulldoze the houses after 30 years, right? Yep. The average <laughs> uh, house over here is uh, 30 years. The average age of And why is that? Years. Just because of the materials? Uh, no, yeah. it's just because instead of moving, most families over here will just tear down and build a new place in the old footprint. And how much does it cost to build a new house? Then? It must be, can't be that much money. Because yeah. that would be ridiculous to like, own a big house and then mm. have to rebuild it every couple of decades. Mm. That's like... If you live there your entire life, mm. you could be building the house twice. Yeah, that's a very common thing to do, especially if you have like a multi-generation yeah, family. Yeah. You know, uh, like you know, in Japan, it's commonly seen that you have the grandparents living with the you know the parents true, yeah. and then the kids as well. So uh, in that case, yeah, you could see like maybe three times rebuild in a lifetime, but it costs somewhere around. I mean, it depends. If you're in a small yeah. place and it's you know a prefab, basically, you can be in a couple hundred grand ish. But if you want a bigger place, yeah, I mean. Honestly, it doesn't really go over a million dollars, even if it's like a pretty nice size. Surely one way around that is to just buy an apartment because apartment Mm. buildings aren't going to be gone after 30 years. Generally speaking, yes, you are right about that. And in fact, apartments do tend to keep their value more than houses. So So if you are going to buy somewhere in in Tokyo, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, an apartment might make more sense? I would say so. Yes, absolutely. I would definitely recommend doing an apartment. The only problem with apartments is that you have to pay a lot more per month. Uh, yeah, there's right. like management fees, there's you know co-op fees, all these different things that you have to pay that if you had a house, you wouldn't have to pay. Uh, do you know anybody who's... Um, we've, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in places like Tokyo, Osaka, mm-hmm. Sendai, mm-hmm. populations are going up because people are moving more mm-hmm. to the cities for... Uh, opportunities. Although I think the coronavirus might have reversed that trend temporarily. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but out in the countryside, a lot of places are going empty. Mm. Have you heard of any schemes where local governments are letting people have houses for free or a heavily <laughs> discounted rate? Yes, they are doing that all over Japan. They have a thing called Akia, which is, Akia. is yeah, that's the uh, a vacant house. That's what that means. And it is such a big problem in Japan, just, you know, people dying and not having any heirs to their houses, that they will just, you know, completely rot and be empty. Mm. So a lot of local governments have set up something called the Akia Bank. So it's just like a database of these little, you know, old houses that are completely Mm. abandoned. And they will either give it to you or sell it to you for, you know, thousands of dollars. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the times you can get subsidies uh, to either renovate the place or if you, like, actually move there, a lot of the times they will give you a lot of subsidies just to do that. Yeah, like tens of thousands of dollars in some cases. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean... 
on the, going back to Tokyo, mm-hmm. you, I know you have a full list of your best and worst places. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's pick the best place and the worst place, in your opinion, to, to live in Tokyo. One of each? One of each. Okay. One of each. Because I think most listeners aren't going to know the Tokyo like the back of their hand. Right. Um, but it would be kind of interesting to hear the best and worst, in, well, your, in your humble opinion, and it, why it's the best and worst. Good question. So, in my humble opinion, that's what we're going to start this with. Humble my opinion from you. Very humble you opinion. You must be joking. Uh, <laughs> no, I would, I would say, I mean, it's very close to home for me, but Nakameguro, by far, I think, is the best place to live in Tokyo. So, Nakameguro, it's in between Shibuya and Ebisu. Mm-hmm. Both very good places for things. I mean, nearly every meeting I have in Tokyo is in Shibuya. Yes, I used to hate Shibuya. I I think it's all right. Mm-hmm. It's it's changing a lot. It's been gentrified a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of the mm-hmm. cool gritty streets of Shibuya are disappearing, mm-hmm. uh, and the Olympics that may or may not still happen still happen um, did sort of hasten that. Mm. But uh, Ebisu is very cool. Ebisu is very a cool. really great place for eating and eating and drinking and mm-hmm. nights out. And Nakameguro is kind of slap bang in the middle. To yeah. Extent. So it, there's actually another station really close nearby. It's called Daikanyama. Yeah. So Daikanyama is kind of like the I would say Beverly Hills, like almost Rodeo Drive of Tokyo. <laughs> you know, it's like the like highest, highest, high end. And Nakameguro is walking distance to that. It's also walking distance to Ebisu and also Shibuya yeah. as well. And it's slap dab right in the middle of all three of those. But the cool thing is about that. You you have these amazing restaurants, amazing bars. Uh, if you do like going out to drink in these other areas, it's a quick cab ride away. You know, it's you've got the famous Nakameguro River. You have the Megara River right there, which is a beautiful site for about two weeks out of the year because it is lined with these uh, the Sakura trees, the cherry, yeah, blossom, cherry blossom trees. Blossom. Yeah, it is absolutely a sight to be seen. I mean, my problem with Tokyo is it's a concrete jungle, mm. and uh, where Alex and I are now, we're looking out over the skyline. But mm-hmm. like, uh, what I like about Nakameguro is Nakameguro is the uh, it's just nice to escape to the river, have some flowing water, some trees. It's yeah. like a little oasis. It is. It is, and there's also a couple of really nice parks over there but that have like actual little forests in them so yeah, you can yeah. kind of get lost I don't know if you've ever been to them before I have yeah it's a really yeah. nice place it All is right. And and of course, there are lots of international folks there as well. Yes, there's a lot of them there. And it's not too hard to get around without English. I mean, it's not as easy as other parts, like, say, yeah. Roppongi or something like that. But personally, I don't really like Roppongi. No, Roppongi's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Nakameguro, Tokyo Creative, the agency I, I work with, they used to have an office there. Oh, is that right? Huh. And they got rid of it. Oh. God damn it. Oh, too bad. I like, it was a good excuse to go to Nakameguro. <laughs> but luckily you live there, yes. so I can still go, Yes, and you can buy me coffee. I can buy you coffee. Well, what about the worst place then, Tokyo? Okay, so the worst place in Tokyo, this is a hard one. If you've because... got more than one place, yeah. I'll be keen to hear one or two. Okay, so in general, you want to be close to all the action, but you don't want to be in the action. Right. Right. So you want to have the option to, say, go to Roppongi. By the yeah. way, if you don't know where Roppongi is, it's kind of this like international district of Tokyo. It's where traditionally all the navy men would go uh, to mm. go, you know, find women, basically. And yeah, the American Navy, right? The American Navy, yes. Who's still, still based there? There's a barracks there, I think? Uh, there, yes, there still is. But no, they would come up from Yokosuka. Right, right, the right. Big, um, yeah, in Yokosuka. Call it, down there. Yeah, they would come up there and just have fun for a night and then go back the next day. But, uh, you know, that hasn't been happening lately, obviously. But <laughs> even still, it kind of has a slimy image to it. I don't really, yeah, Rapongi is yeah. very gritty. It um, is. It, it definitely is. In the, in the early 2000s, a, uh, a British... Uh, a girl disappeared there. She oh, worked yeah. in a hostess bar and uh, took a nasty dive. There's a really good book on that called The People Who Eat Darkness. Ooh. I think it was Lucy Lucy Blackman. Oh, uh, but it's a really interesting book and uh, it mm. certainly made Rapongi look very bad. And it's hostess culture and uh, it's. I, I don't mind Rapongi, it's not mm. as bad as it used to be. Mm. But uh, it's, yeah, I wouldn't want to live there. No, definitely not. But a lot so, of people do. A lot of people do live over there. I mean, it's very easy because if you have the money and you don't want to speak Japanese, then that is definitely one of the easiest places to live in. You can get around with English almost everywhere. And, you know, you do have great restaurants there. You have some of the best restaurants in Japan, actually. Some of the best sushi restaurants, at least. But it's just... I don't know. It, it, I don't quite like the vibe. That's so this is, this is your worst place to live? No, ah. no. But, to be fair, to yeah. live in Rapongi, mm. you need to 
sell your everything. Yes. And you need to be... Well, you need to be a millionaire. There's no no doubt about that. Absolutely. So mm. I don't think most of the people listening to this are going to be millionaires. No, no. So, yeah, I mean, carry on. Yeah, Worst I would... Place. <laughs> what I would say is if you're close to Roppongi, it's good to be close to there just to have the option to go there if you do need to go there for some sure, reason. Sure, sure. So I wouldn't put that on my worst. My all-time worst... <laughs> in my opinion, is called Hachobori. Have you ever heard of Hachobori? I've not heard that. Okay, so Hachobori is a station on the Hibiya line right next to... It's a couple stations down from Ginza. Oh. And I put that on my list, not because it's, like, slimy or scummy or anything. They don't really have, you know, bad parts of Tokyo. Not like It's not like in L.A. where you have Skid Row, for instance. Right, yeah, Skid Row yeah, before, right? Yeah. They don't really have that bad of a place here. But this is just... If you want to live there... I mean, you know, if you're looking for a place to live, it's not a place to live. Right. You know, it's just building after building after building. It's basically a mixture of, like, offices and residential buildings. I know what you mean. So, what's it called? It's called Hachobori. H-A-C-C. And this is actually quite near to Ueno and Akihabara, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's on the same line. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, quite near Akihabara and Mm -hmm. Ueno and uh, Asakusa. Places that a lot of tourists go. Yeah, yeah. There is a huge bit. Mm. Um, I was up a tower the other day, mm-hmm. looking out, having a coffee, mm. and I saw this district you're talking about, mm-hmm. and I was struck by the fact that I didn't see a single tree. Exactly, I, I thought. I thought, oh my god, yeah. this is very sad. Yeah. This region, like it's sad, like it a is. city like this, thirty-six million people, mm. and this area is huge. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't see a single tree. No. You look towards Shibuya and you can see a sea of trees. You've got lots of parks. Yeah. Yogi Park. Uh, Even from the window we can see there's a Yogi Park right there. But yeah. over there, yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I stayed in a hotel there. Mm. No, I stayed in an Airbnb once I in didn't. the middle of that. Oh, okay. Because there aren't that many hotels there. Mm. And I just got lost. Yeah. Over and over because it was just... It all looks the same. Yeah. And then the worst thing is they have all these buildings there that have the same name just like with a different number at the end of it too. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. I, I have one client that lives over there and she uh, lived she moved out after two months so that just Jesus. that tells you because there's not even if you wanted to go to the grocery store for instance yeah. there's not a grocery store there right you know and there's no restaurants around there there's no life you know if you're talking about just sterile like nastiness that's where mm. it is and that's why it is my least favorite part of tokyo by if, far if you if you are if you are a millionaire mm-hmm. where would you recommend living in tokyo if money Ooh, was of no object if money was of no objects so there's Wait, wait, where was the place we looked at? It was Harajuku, ah, Harajuku yeah. right? Yeah, that was Amontesando slash Harajuku, right? Between well, I wouldn't want to live there. Too you wouldn't shop. want to live there? Yeah, too many shops. Too, many too, much, shops. too much hustle and bustle. What do you like, then? More chilled out. More chilled less, out. Less, less hustle, well, less what do you, bustle. What do you think about Nakameguro? Or is that yeah, I'd, I'd live there, but like yeah. somewhere classier. Somewhere classier. We're talking, okay. you know, millions. If you want that, then there is really only one section of Tokyo to live in. So it's called the Azabu area. Azabu, yes. Yeah. So they have, you know, Minami Azabu, Nishi Azabu. Anything that has Azabu in the name is part of the Azabu area. Azabu. Yeah, and then they also have one station called Hiro, which is right next to it all. So that, the Azabu slash Hiro area, I mean, if you want to live over there, you have to spend over millions of dollars. To and, that's, place. and that is where a lot of embassies in Japan, or in Tokyo, are based, right? Most of them are in that area, yes. Yeah, yes. Very trendy area. Yeah, you have the French embassy, German embassy, everything is over there, yes. Um, so I guess inevitable topic, mm-hmm. as a sort of uh, foreigner living in Japan, it mm-hmm. can be hard to get permission or get approval to live in uh, an apartment. And I've had problems in Sendai. Uh, Luckily, Ryotaro was able to help me out. Mm. Um, But, like, do you find that to be a problem for foreigners, uh, international people coming to Japan? absolutely. I have a lot of international clients that have been denied over and over again. And I will say the best way to not get denied is to make sure that you have all your paperwork ready. (laughs) That is a big one. And also, if you're coming over here on a company, then definitely, definitely, definitely see if they will put it under their name versus your name. Right, right. That will that will help a ton. And not everybody has that luxury. But if you do have that option, you know, even if you can say to your company, hey, pay me less, but put it on the company's name. Yeah. Then that is by far the best way to go. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Join us on the Football Ramble as we explore the ridiculous world of football. We bring in-depth analysis of the biggest moments, like Bruno Fernandes' one-eyed penalties. Sounds like a Metallica song. Yeah, it does. <laughs> obviously, like... it one eye open. <laughs> but if you have one eye closed, you know your perception. So imagine yeah. if you tried the dink and it just like went like two feet in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> Every weekday, we cover the good, the bad, and the Newcastle. Although Shelby wasn't surprised either he said the way they play isn't great <laughs> <laughs> and you couldn't fucking beat him could you could Shelby be the mole did Bruce accuse the mole of treason <laughs> to the Geordie nation yeah putting the football world to rights if you want to put a message on a t-shirt under your shirt slag yeah. it off your mind yeah that is an absolute minefield in the dressing room <laughs> yeah. don't worry lads I'll put it in another language do you know how many languages that man speaks with Roy we're here with the biggest stories from the sport we love and we want you to get involved too search the football ramble on your favourite podcast player to listen now this was a Stakhanov production why are they so reluctant to accept non-Japanese sort of tenants because they're racist right I mean if you want me to be completely frank because they're racist be- um, but the biggest problem is that the, a lot of them have had issues with you know previous tenants from abroad that have just you know left and mm. not paid they dine and ditch basically I never know how to feel about it because on mm. the one hand I think yeah it's racist and the mm. time I got shut down from living in the apartment that I wanted to live in I mm. was very disappointed because mm. we don't really have that in the UK yeah, so no. far as I know no. at the same time if you are a landlord and you know you've got a Japanese person or mm-hmm. a non-Japanese person inherently you are going to be drawn more towards the Japanese person because yeah. they are part yeah. of Japan they've got family here they're rooted here whereas a mm. foreign a foreigner can just flee sure. and, and leave the country. So yeah. I kind of yeah. get it from that perspective. There is that. And then also the fact that a lot of people that, you know, a lot of landlords over here are always worried about people just not knowing about the culture in terms of like the garbage sorting. Even. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. that is because if you haven't lived in Japan before, you probably don't know about <laughs> yeah. how strict it is to sort garbage, depending on what city you're in. It's also different. You know, like in, in America, you have, you know, garbage and recycling. That's it. Yeah, right, it's yeah, probably yeah. the same in the UK, right? More or less. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So over here, Chris knows about this. I'm yeah. sure uh, by you. I'm, I'm sure you have. Do you have to like wash the uh, the polystyrene things? No. No. Okay. Uh, I don't know. You don't know about that. Oh yeah. God. But uh, there's some. You have to wait. What? Wait. What? You have to wash polystyrene. What? Yeah. So basically, not polystyrene. What do you call it? Like the little trays that they uh, they sell stuff in at the grocery stores. You know, like the little. Oh. Uh, 
container? Yeah, the little containers. Like a lot of places, they say that you have to recycle those separately from the rest of the plastics, and oh, you God. have to wash them before you bring them out. I mean, it's it's very different for uh, different areas in Japan and different yes. wards of Tokyo. Yes, I remember exactly. speaking to someone who lived next to a, a place called Setagaya. Mm-hmm. And Setagaya is like the the wealthiest, most affluent part of Tokyo. Right, mm. uh, it's it's the biggest. Let's say that, yeah. And a lot of uh, you know celebrities, politicians, oh, yeah, business yeah. people live there. Absolutely. Uh, he lived like on the bit that was the other side of the road yeah. that wasn't set to guy. And the right. rules for waste were completely different. Absolutely. Set to guy mm-hmm. in the rich bit, mm-hmm. you could do whatever you want with the rubbish. Mm-hmm. It seemed in his bit, he had to separate it four hundred times, <laughs> and that seemed a little bit harsh and a little bit annoying. Yeah, yeah. But you just have to get used to it, and that's why that is again one of the reasons that a lot of the landlords are very worried about having. You know, they're always like, oh, what do we do about the... No, they don't get fined or anything. It's just that they don't want the people around them just, like, yelling at them. Hey, your tenant is not throwing things out. Right, right, right. You know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that they're worried about, honestly. So cultural misunderstandings is a key aspect of why they won't let foreigners live there. Absolutely. And also, there are also a lot of them are worried about foreigners being loud. I, get, I mean, I guess I can get. we are louder than Japanese that, people. That's definitely the case, I would say. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, some of the reasons are definitely rational. But at the same time, why flat out deny them is what I'm saying, you know? Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous to me. And then the other thing is, you know, they're worried about them being a flight risk. But uh, if you've ever rented a place over here, you've probably heard of something called a guarantor company. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, a guarantor company is like a rent uh, insurance. So, if you are getting into this apartment... It's like having a guarantor. It's like having your father come in as a guarantor. If you don't pay, then your father pays. In this case, if you don't pay, that guarantor company pays for you. Sure. And then they chase you down for the money. Wow. Right. Yeah. So it's like a collections agency, basically. But the thing is, with a, mm. a place, with an apartment in Japan, you pay mm. a lot of deposit, right? Oh, my God. So, I mean, you know, I think I paid three months rent on my apartment in Sendai. That's so the idea... not bad, actually. <laughs> oh, God. Really? Yeah. yeah. So the idea is that even if you do flee, mm. they've got three months of your deposit. Which is a lot of money, right? Oh, you had three months of security deposit? Is that what you're saying? Something like that, yeah. That's actually a lot. Yeah. Oh, dear. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, you kind of got ripped off on that one. Sorry about that. If only I had <laughs> you, Alex. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. But, like, so there, there's the flight risk, mm-hmm. but at the same time, mm-hmm. they're going to keep a lot of money. They are definitely going to keep a lot of money. Uh, but in terms of security, just for initial payments, you're going to be looking for somewhere around four to five months, usually, yeah. up front. And that's including security deposit, usually one month, key money, which is, you know, basically a craft, yeah. you know, that you pay to the landlord to say, thank you for allowing me to move into your apartment. Uh, then there's also the two first months of rent you have to pay up front. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Then the guarantor company is usually half a month. On the, on the, yeah. uh, the property we looked at mm-hmm. in the video back in October last year, mm-hmm. how, the rent was $25,000, right? Yes, just about. And what was the deposit? It was 100000 It came out to just about hundred grand. yeah. So before you even get through the door, you've got to pay $100,000. Mm-hmm. And that's not even oh including... Yeah, that's not even including the moving costs or the buying the furniture because, you know, almost all apartments over here are unfurnished. So, mm. yeah, if you wanted to move in there and actually live there, you're probably spending close to 150 grand. How do you find Japanese accommodation, houses, apartments, compared to the U.S.? Small. Small. I mean, right, yeah, that's, right, right. that's the biggest one. I mean, my apartment is 33 square meters or about 350 square feet. So that's that very small. Yeah. That is very small. I don't know. How big is your place? Do you know? I don't, you don't know. Want to talk it's about, about 40, it. I think. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So I'm near 10 is... square kilometers more. Uh, square meters. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it is 10 kilometers for you. If only. Yeah. If but only. it's about 450 square feet. Is about right. 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 So, I mean, yeah, that's like a... Well, I can fit an extra chair in Ooh. my apartment at best. Yeah. No, Take but, that. But that's the thing. Yeah. What's the difference between apartments over here and in America, let's say, or, you know, Europe, is that you don't bring people home. Right. You know, you don't bring point. people home. So like, you don't really have a, like a loungy kind of place where you can just have fun, have dinner, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, enjoy your time with other people. Because most Japanese people will just go out and do that. Because the apartments are so small. Because the apartments are, I don't know. It's the chicken and the egg. I don't know which came first. <laughs> but uh, yeah, honestly, that's the biggest thing. Difference, I would say. I yeah. mem- well, I remember my first apartment in Yamagata. I, mm. I couldn't really bring people over. It would just mm. be awkward. Oh, yeah, They'd yeah. be like sitting on my bed. Yeah. And uh, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> want that. But, um, but, you know, at the same time, though, you know, looking at the other side, it is cheaper to live here, I would say, than in many major cities around the world. Like, for instance, you know, I'm from L.A. originally. Yeah. And I know what the prices are like over there. If you yeah. were to get, 
you know, a one bedroom apartments over there in a con- like a comparable area area to say Nakameguro, it would be somewhere around three thousand dollars a month, if not more. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And and a lot of times you'll have a roommate as well. So I mean, you know, over here you almost never have roommates. That's just not a thing in Japan. Yeah. yeah. You know. So like you know, when LA people or New Yorkers, especially if they come over here, they hear that it's fifteen hundred dollars a month. They're like, what? That's <laughs> it? How do you? How can you live in that? You know, you'd be in a shoebox back home. Absolutely. Basically. Yeah. So in recent times, you've kind of turned your attention towards YouTube. Ever since yeah. we met, uh-huh. you've, you've started, a, you've embarked on a YouTube career. You've, what's your YouTube channel called? It's called Tokyo Portfolio. Oh, very stylish. Mm-hmm. Tokyo Portfolio. Yes. <laughs> Tokyo. And what have you been doing on there recently? I've been doing a lot of uh, really high-end places, like tours of places. Uh, I did three rentals so far and then one place for purchase. Right. And yeah, the, the place that for purchase actually wasn't that expensive of a place. If you, I don't know if you saw it, it was one point two million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that video. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I won't lie. I've only seen your first video. Yeah, but it was, was good. It, it was good. Yeah. You've, uh, you know what you're doing with the production quality. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Yeah, not with the first video, guys. If you're gonna, if you're gonna look at it, definitely see the fourth video on. And what's the title uh, for the fourth video? Yeah, the fourth video is what. Ah, Christ. Hold He's on. forgotten, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. But what I'll say is, it's yeah. very impressive. You've only got 4,000 subscribers. Yeah, But yeah, your yeah. first video has 100,000 views. Yeah. And and have you done it? What's the secret? <laughs> the secret? Uh, honestly, I don't know. It's the algorithm. It just right. kind of spiked. I, I put it up in, I think, February, and yeah. it got maybe a couple hundred views for the first month or so, put on yeah. another video, same deal. And then mid-March, it just spiked. It went over 100,000 views, and I don't know what happened. The mysteries of YouTube. The mysteries of YouTube, the, yes. Yep. Uh, the, I hear the, the latest one. What does a $25,000 a month Tokyo apartment look like? Sounds eerily similar oh, yeah. to a video I made. <laughs> is it the same one? It is not, actually. Uh, it's a completely different apartment. It's out, of, a, out of curiosity, yeah. did, did they sell the apartment that we looked at back in they October? They did. You want to hear the worst part, though? Yes. It wasn't through me. No, actually, oh. worse than that. Worse than that. A week after they sell it, I get somebody asking specifically for the Oh, yeah. no. That was a shame. Yeah. Oh, sorry to hear that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, doing? well, hopefully, I mean, it's a good idea kind of doing YouTube, I think. And yeah. I think it's interesting. Like, there is a, a big interest in, in looking at in these apartments. Mm-hmm. And I've certainly seen a few in New York that I find very interesting. Mm. I, I don't find looking at Japanese houses or apartments that intriguing nah. because they aren't very. They're not very... Well, it's just not interesting. Yeah, they're pretty they're very plain. They're quite dull. The ones I've been looking at in New York or London, mm. there's a lot more history. Yeah, Steeped in history. And, yes. uh, or just great design and all that. Much better design. Yeah, you would think that in Tokyo, everybody thinks, oh, Japanese architecture, it must be the best in the world. Not really the case. I mean, it is... Like, the good stuff is amazing. Well, the historic stuff and the old sort of... The Kawada roof tile buildings and the old, you know, the old traditional houses and temples. Beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely but modern Japan, I'm not overly sold on the architecture no and me neither you know with uh, but that's the thing though like with my site I actually have a website as well and if you look on there it is all very like modern and cool places yeah. I try to only find the interesting places because I don't want to be putting on the normal white box that everybody else sure, sure. you know so uh, yeah that's how I try to set myself apart from the competition <laughs> Tokyo portfolio Tokyo portfolio <laughs> maybe one day you'll be selling me somewhere oh yeah not likely not no. likely Maybe we could set up Natsuki with a nice place. That could work. Yeah, give me his number. (laughs) But uh, no, really good stuff with the YouTube channel. Thank you. Uh, Pitch it to the listeners, Alex. Why should they listen? Why should they watch Tokyo Portfolio? If you guys want to see the best apartments that are in Tokyo by far in any neighborhood, you can check out my YouTube channel on Tokyo Portfolio. (laughs) And you are going to be covering kind of general accommodation and living in Japan stuff later on down the line, right? Yes, exactly. Because we can't all afford swanky Nagamegaro apartments. That is absolutely correct. Yeah, I'm going to be showing a lot more. I mean, we kind of delved in it today Mm -hmm. about the best neighborhoods. I'm going to be doing in the future a video about the best neighborhoods to live in in Tokyo, the worst neighborhoods to live Mm. in Tokyo, and the best actually budget places to live in Tokyo too. Where's the best budget place in Tokyo? You know, that's a good question. I would say it depends on who you are. If you want something kind of active and crazy, you would go over to uh, Okubo. You know what that is? 
Okubo. Just north of Shinjuku. Exactly. It's it's Koreatown. I like Okubo. Yeah. And it's surprisingly cheap, actually. Okubo, yeah, it's really cool. It's about, what, two stops north of Shinjuku? Yeah, on the Yamanote line, I think it's actually one. And it's directly next to it. And if you guys like Korean food, the the Koreatown's pretty cool. Not only Korean food, you have Indian restaurants Mm. and... uh, was that lightning? Oh, wow. I think there was massive lightning out the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, you have amazing Korean food. You also have these Muslim markets. Like, yeah, the Muslim markets. I don't know if you've ever yeah, seen yeah, those. Yeah. So you go there, you can buy bags of cumin and all these other spices. It's a great place to live, actually. It's, it's a melting pot of culture. It culture. is such a melting and pot. And I hate the phrase melting pot. Yeah. That's what it is. Why is that? Yeah. Is it because it is kind of like budget and for folks moving to Japan... Yeah, I it's mean, a good budget sort of option. It's because of racism, honestly. Really? Because, yeah, because it's historically Koreatown, and Japanese people and Korean people don't really mix that well. That's true. If you know about that, so Japanese people don't want to live over there means it's cheaper. So uh, yeah, that means all the people that can't live in other places because of budget reasons move there. And honestly, if you like food from all over the world, definitely live there. Awesome. Yeah. Okubo. 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 Yeah. Okubo. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, I'm trying to think of any other questions off the top of my head. Anything mm. else you'd like to share with us? The secrets of real estate? The secrets Before of real estate. I throw you out the window. <laughs> it's a long drop. <laughs> um, no, I think I'm... I don't have anything, actually. Yeah. Anyway. Fantastic. Well, thank yeah. you for coming on, Alex. It's been really interesting yeah. to hear about life in Kyushu, life mm-hmm. working real estate, mm-hmm. places to live, places to not live. Um, and hopefully, we'll get you back on the Abroad Japan channel soon on something that isn't expensive, <laughs> isn't an expensive house. Because, I, you know, I feel like I've seen a lot of... Yeah. Just seeing those two expensive places made me a bit depressed. Yeah, and the second were... one was the penthouse, right? With that was. That was a crazy penthouse with a rooftop uh, jacuzzi. jacuzzi. And actually, yeah, the most recent one also has a rooftop jacuzzi. Bloody but hell. it's a nicer one, so definitely go and see I don't know. Like, it's, it's fun to look at them once or twice. Yeah. But like, hey, come on. Lifestyles are rich and famous. It's always fun. Yeah. All right, well, I'm not so sure. Yeah. But uh, hopefully we can find some wackier accommodation going forward. Yes, let's do that. But do check out Alex Tokyo Portfolio and check out our videos uh, on YouTube we've got some cool stuff there but for now guys that is all we are going to get back to our regular podcast for the first time in uh, two or three weeks as of uh, what day is it Sunday as of Wednesday mm. so I'm looking forward to catching up with Pete but for now guys no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world enjoy the rest of your weekend enjoy the start to your week and we'll see you on Wednesday do it all over again on the Abroad Japan podcast bye for now This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.